To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning uh, is recorded in the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Mark chapter 7. Although I do want to review some of the words from last week's gospel so that this makes sense. The Pharisees and some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw that some of his disciples were unclean because they ate without washing their hands. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples follow the traditions taught by our ancestors? They are unclean because they don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus told them Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Then he called the crowd and said to them, Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can make him unclean. It's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Don't you understand? Don't you know that whatever goes into a person from the outside can't make him unclean? He continued, it's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. Evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, and he goes on a whole list of 12. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who alone washes us completely clean by his own blood, my beloved. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I went to the state fair. And uh, when we go, we always take one of those little bottles of hand sanitizer along. I noticed this time, and perhaps last year too, when you come out of some of the animal barns, they have little uh, hand sanitizer dispensers. I wonder why. One of the first things that you teach little kids as they're growing up is how to wash their hands before they eat, you know, so they don't get germs. I still remember back to when I was raising my kids, I'd take them to the sink, and i said, let's wash our patties now, get a little soap on there, wash their hands. I'd like to do that again with my grandkids, but my youngest ones are way up in Minnesota, and I can't do that, have that pleasure of washing their little hands before they eat. You know, those kind of washings are all hygienic washings, so there's no transmission of germs. That's not the kind of washing that Jesus was talking about here before us today. He was talking about a religious, ceremonial, ritualistic hand-washing. It was a made-up hand-washing by the religious leaders of today. At one, of those, one of those things where they added something to God's Word. In fact, if you take a look, somebody calculated that, that they added some 613 traditions or ritualistic things that they did that were not found in God's Word. And they said that if you do, didn't do that, well, then you were not quite acceptable to God. And that ritualistic washing went something like this, and they did it all for show. They would dip their hands under water and dip their hands under water, and then they would raise them up so that everybody could see their hands, and then the water would drip down to their wrist to make sure that their hands were all covered with water. 
And then they thought, well, now uh, they're ready to eat. And now they are acceptable to God. I think I know why they did it. Uh, they were, uh, the religious leaders of the day were misapplying Psalm 24 when God said through David, Who may go up to the Lord's mountain? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Their ritualistic thinking was that if you didn't have clean hands, then you weren't acceptable to God. Dirty hands, dirty food, dirty soul. Couldn't be acceptable to God that way. Of course, we know why God gave that uh, visual aids in the Old Testament to the priests. Because washing, cleanliness, was a visual aid of holiness. Dirt was a symbol or a visual aid of sinfulness. So before the priest would go into the tabernacle, God says, you always wash your hands, you always wash your feet. Not to get clean, but as a visual aid that you can't go before God without being pure and holy. Well, the religious leaders that were standing before Jesus and his disciples were criticizing the disciples for not washing their hands before they ate. Your disciples didn't wash their hands, therefore they can't have any purity of heart. Jesus' response, well, you heard it read before, he said, You hypocrites! You're the kind of people that honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You abandon the commandments of God and follow human traditions. Any human traditions that affected the Lutheran church in the past? Quite a few. I don't see anybody today, ladies, that are wearing a hat. Years back, you know, in the 40s or 50s, you, women would not be caught dead in church without a hat. Even in the 50s, you know, our hats were going out style. Some of the w- women wear those little bitty hats just to make sure that they had a hat before they went to church. Traditions of humans. If you go a little further back, most of us don't even remember this anymore. I know from church history, on communion Sundays, most of the men always would not go to communion without wearing black suits. And the men would sit on one side and the women on the other for communion, and the men would go first. Finally, you know, I think some of the women said, I don't know when it was, the 50s or 60s, enough of this. I'm the only one taking care of the kids. My husband's sitting over there doing nothing. The tradition changed. Then there was, uh, then there was the uh, communion only four times a year. Because, you know, if you took it any more than four times a year, you might be desanctifying the Lord's Supper. That was a misinterpretation of Luther who said anybody who doesn't go to the Lord's Supper at least four times a year, you would have to question their Christianity. So the church says, okay, we'll have communion four times a year. You go way back again, too. I guess it was a big fight throughout the synod when they wanted to change from German to English. Don't ever do that because everybody knows that God speaks German. And it was a hard time. Oh, and then there was another time. I experienced this when the church wanted to change from the King James Version to the New International Version. I had one congregation where one lady left because she thought we were desanctifying and desecrating God's word by going to a different translation. Very recently, everybody remember this hymnal? The red one? TLH, the Lutheran hymnal? Sometimes congregations had blue ones. 
Uh, there was a congregation recently in the community that, that for various reasons wanted to perhaps worship with another congregation. I said, sure, you're welcome to worship with us. They say, what kind of worship do you use? I said, Lutheran service book is all we can't worship with you. We only use the Lutheran hymnal. Then there was the other one I remember too where you had to register with the pastor on Friday or Saturday night before you would go to the Lord's Supper. And if you didn't register, you probably shouldn't go. Traditions. Where do you find that in the Bible? That's why a lot of those traditions went by the wayside. But the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had all their traditions. They even had a tradition for you should not work on the Sabbath day. So they made rules about what a Sabbath day's journey was because if you walked any farther than that, then you would be working. And that's why God said that they were all insincere in their worship. They were going through everything for, through, for show, to be seen in all these traditions. No repentance, no forgiveness. To sort of illustrate a uh, little comparison between one and the other. How do you go to church? Why do you go to church? Well, some might go to church out of habit. They come in, they sing songs, they say some prayers, they daydream, uh, they um, listen to some words, they sit down, they stand up, they shake hands, they go home. And why did they come? Because they would be conspicuous if they weren't there and to make the pastor happy for another week. Or, versus, you're here because you just have to be. To listen to the precious message of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, which alone can save your souls and increase your faith. To sing praises and to pray fervently. To wish each other God's peace and to leave desiring to live and to worship your God according to his word for another six days. You see, it's not what you do, but how you do it. That's why Jesus called them, you hypocrites. You're pretending to be on the outside something totally different than really what's on the inside. And of course, we know how Jesus could do that because he can look into hearts. Did you ever hear anybody say, ah, I don't like organized religion, I never go to your church because there's too many hypocrites there. I always like to answer by saying, how do you know? You can't look into somebody's heart. Oh, maybe they aren't living on the outside the exact Christian life that they portray here, but it still doesn't mean that you can say that they're not believers. Only Jesus knows who a hypocrite is. And besides all that, I don't go to church and wonder who the hypocrites are. I go to church for me. Going to church on Sunday morning is one of the most selfish things I do during the week. I come here for me, first of all, so that I can have my faith strengthened, my sins forgiven. St. Paul once said, he said, boy, i got to better take care of my, paraphrasing, better take care of my own faith because if I save a whole bunch of others and I myself am lost, what good is all that work out there? Jesus gave then an instruction to the crowd. He said, uh, it's not what uh, goes into a person, but what comes out that makes him uh, evil. In fact, he used kind of a coarse illustration. 
when he was alone with his disciples, they said, explain that illustration. What goes into a person doesn't make him unclean, but what comes out does. And Jesus almost said, don't you understand? It's almost like saying, you disciples, are you dense? And he uses a coarse uh, description about digestion. He says the Pharisees, the, the, the scribes, their logic is, you got dirty hands, you got dirty food, goes into your body, you got a dirty soul. Jesus says that's not how it goes. All food goes into the mouth, into the, the digestive system, and out. And it never touches the soul or the heart. The food that you put into your body doesn't have anything to do with defilement of your soul. Physical food never touches your spirit. Rather, it what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. And then Jesus gives that whole laundry list of those 12 sexual sins and thievery and all the other things. 12 vices coming from the wretched impurity of the human soul. Like I said last week, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, just like a lot of religious uh, people today, thought that individuals are born morally good. And then they become evil according to their environment. Scripture says we are born evil and unbelievers, conceived in sin. We are not victims of the evil world. Rather, we are perpetrators of evil. The human heart at birth is like a cesspool, a septic tank of filth. And we are not exempt from Jesus' criticism either. Clean hands. Clean heart. I always carry everywhere I go my pastoral companion. You've seen me bring it to the pulpit before. And I use it for my own personal confession too. In fact, sometimes I think I'm going to print these words in in the bulletin. Uh, When Jesus talks about the commandments that uh, human beings defile, he actually lists eight out of the ten. Just want to talk about a couple of them. The fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Clean hands, never put a knife in anybody's stomach. Ah, but do I treat my own body as a temple of the Holy Spirit or do I hurt or harm it by gluttony, chemical addiction, or other abuse? Do I hate anyone or am I angry with anyone? Do I hold grudges or harbor resentment? Guilty heart. The sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Clean hands. Never slept with anybody else's spouse. Do I engage in any form of sexual immorality? Do I look at others lustfully and thereby commit adultery with them in my heart? Guilty heart. The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Clean hands. Never pilfered any money from anybody. Do I take care of what I have, pay what I own, return what I borrow, respect other people's property? Do I give generously or am I selfish, stingy, and greedy with my time and money? Guilty heart. The Eighth Commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Clean hands, never lied in court. 
Do I gossip, listen to rumors, or take pleasure in talking about the faults or mistakes of anyone? Guilty heart. I don't want to ruin anybody's uh, love of uh, Cole Porter's uh, song, but you know when it comes to original sin, he spoke a truth without knowing it. I've got you under my skin. I've got you deep in the heart of me. Now you're really a part of me. I've got you under my skin. That's how you're born, original sin. It's under there. It's in there. It eats at you every day. Uncleanness doesn't come from unwashed hands, from, but from within each of us with filthy souls. So the question is, how do you finally get clean? Well, it's not with hand sanitizer, and it's not by taking a shower. Titus, uh, St. Paul writes to Titus, He saved us, but not because of anything we had done to gain his approval. Instead, because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing in which the Holy Spirit gives us new birth and renewal. The washing of repentance through faith and acceptance of Jesus Christ drowns the old Adam so that a new one can come forth daily and live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Psalm 51, King David says, Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. You see, I'm guilty just because of original sin every day. And then you add the other sins that you do or you don't do. Besides that, purify me from sin with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a faithful spirit within me. John 13, I love this one. Peter told Jesus, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied to Peter, if I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, don't only wash my feet, but my heads and my hands too. And we say, and my soul too, Jesus. Psalm 24, correctly read, who may go up to the Lord's mountain, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. A clean heart does not come from clean hands. Clean hands come from a clean heart, which is purified for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleansed our souls by the only soul detergent that there is, the blood of Jesus Christ, shed for us on Calvary's cross. That's why we live for him, with our hands and with our hearts, because we have been cleansed. And one day, we'll live with him in righteousness and holiness forever. Why? Because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. And thanks be to God for that. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Page 7, we join together in confessing our faith in the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, 
Very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 